0: Well, good morning and welcome to the gathering church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to see you guys today. I got a couple things I want to share with you first before we get started. Um, First off, if you have students who are from 6th to 12th grade, middle school or high school, uh, we have a student ministry here at the gathering called Gather Students, and they get together on Sunday nights and have a great time. And once a month, they join forces with Seacoast Asheville for something called One Night. One Night is a big night where they worship together and play games and really have a blast. And so if you have kids in that age group, uh, they're going to want to be there tonight. It's at 123 Sweeten Creek Road, Seacoast Asheville's campus. Uh, and that is from five to seven tonight. You're going to want to get them there. Uh, today is step two of growth track. Now, if you don't know, uh, we're kind of focused on helping you walk down a spiritual pathway here at The Gathering Church. Very simply, we want to lead people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And we believe that every step in that process is so valuable, so important. And we believe that we were created to live in purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. We want to partner with you in that. And so Growth Track is our way of helping you get a glimpse at the purpose God created you with. Uh, today is step two it's the most fun part of growth track if you missed last week you can still jump right in it'll be right after this service at twelve thirty, uh, right outside and we will provide lunch and so come join us for that and then finally the last thing I need to tell you that this morning is today uh, you can sign up for life groups and life groups start this week we're excited it's the moment yes it's the moment we've all, three of us have been waiting for, for so long. You know, we, we, uh, we, we love Life Group here at The Gathering Church. Heart community is really one of the heartbeats of this church. We believe that life was made to function in relationships. That's what this whole series is about, uh, that we're about to start today. And so I really encourage you to, to go find the one that fits you best and go join a Life Group today. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. They, they fill up quick. This is the first week of groups. And so go sign up and you can get plugged into one right now this week. And I'm about to give you about 30 minutes worth of reasons why you should. And so let me get into our message this morning. First, I'll tell you um, you wonder why I'm sitting down this morning. You know I used to sit and preach a lot, and uh, one day I was watching, I watched the playback video sometimes to try and learn to get better. And I was watching it, and I just thought that guy looks lazy. I'm gonna take that stool away so he has to stand up more. And uh, but today I'm sitting. I, I was actually pretty sick this week. I had strep throat, uh, which opened up a viral infection, and so I've been uh, in bed for the last six days. I'm on the other side of the illness. Uh, but, uh, but I'm still pretty low energy and weak. And so just now, that was the longest I've stood up in about six days, I'm very tired. I might take a nap before I go on. And so if, uh, if, if my voice kind of caves in halfway through the message today, or if it seems like I'm a little bit lower energy than normal, that's what's going on. You don't have to worry about me. I'll be all right, be thinking about my poor wife because I'm a big baby when I'm sick. And she has just had to, had to wait on me as much as she can this week. And that has been tough. So y'all be thinking about her and praying for her. Pastor Robbie, uh, who uh, is one of our communicators, he's on, he teaches here sometimes and does the announcements and everything like that. He's also sick and he's out this morning with that. So be thinking about Robbie and Chelsea and their family as well. Uh, be praying for them as, uh, as uh, half our staff is down, we're going to pray that the other half stays healthy. So uh, that's what's going on if you're wondering. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called How to Be Social Without Media. How to be social without media. You know, when we started this church, we decided that at the very center of this vision was going to be a desire to help people create deeper relationships. Um, We shared a lot of our story last week on our three-year anniversary, but I'll tell you, in 2014... Robbie and Chelsea and Raelle and myself, we were in this city uh, praying over it. We, we were praying for you two years before the first time we held a service in this city. And I actually, Robbie still talks about it because he, he, uh, he doesn't like to, to walk. And I made him walk the entire city of Asheville. I think we put in like 15 miles just through the city in one day and pray over every street that we walked down. And we were here just to kind of seek what God... Would would to find as the identity of this church and ask him what 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 do you we know that we're here to spread your name and make you famous and worship you as a church but in what way do you want us to find our identity as a church and on that very first night we were in a rental house in Kenilworth Uh, we sat around and discussed. Um, and prayed, and talked about who we felt God was calling us to be. And the first thing that we all agreed on right out the gate was that this would be a church where people could find deeper community, real community, the kind that is not fake or facsimile, the kind that does not look like community or almost feel like community, uh, but that that would become a word uh, that would define us to our core, uh, our mission statement that you've, you may see written around here or, or uh, hear us repeat is we aim to gather people around Jesus and around one another. And we believe that in our creation, that both of those find great importance within us, that we have these gaps in our hearts, that if we spend most of our lives trying to fill, trying to find the plugs for. And one of those is the spiritual gap, the need that we have For a relationship with our Creator. And the other one is the relational gap, the need that we have to be joined with other people, not just romantically, not just in marriage, but to really be in relationship with others. And so, what I want to talk about in this series is what that really looks like and really what it looks like in the culture that we're living in now. So, what this series will not be is um, another moment for me to sit here and preach to you about how bad it is for you to use your phone or social media. I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to try and stop us from doing that. I just want to make sure that we understand what's happening when we do. Uh, We've got a problem more and more in our culture. We're forgetting how to exist in real community or to put it more plainly. We don't know how to have a friend or to be a friend like we used to. Loneliness is more pervasive than, uh, than ever. In a recent study by the Pew Research Group, one in four people said that they did not have one to three people they could confide in. 25% of people that they talked to didn't, didn't have a close friend. That's a problem. I think there's a lot of factors that feed into this. Fear and other cultural changes have led us to live disconnected from our neighbors There's more entertainment available to us than ever before between Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and cable and PlayStation and Xbox and our ever-invasive smartphones. I think another part of the problem is we think that we're getting social interaction through social media. It's filling this desire that we have to know people and to be around people, but it's not filling the need that we have. We think that by seeing other people's posts and reading up on their lives or seeing their tweets and hearing their opinions, we begin to believe that we know them. And as we post and as we blog and as we tweet, we begin to feel like we are being known. But while this interaction removes our desire to pursue relationship, it does not fulfill the need that we have for relationship. And social media usage has only made this worse as we've gotten more and more addicted to our screens. In 2017, Facebook released some statistics. Uh, they said the average usage of their platform, this is just one platform out of many, was 90 minutes per day. 90 minutes per day. That's the average user with a Facebook account. In 2017, it had grown to 135 minutes with a steady increase each year. That was two years ago. It has grown since then. This is a problem. Research published in the Journal of Depression and Anxiety found that people using social media for more than one hour per day were 2.7 times more likely to struggle with depression and anxiety than those using it for 20 minutes or less per day. This was published in November almost three times more likely to struggle with depression, loneliness, anxiety, have social problems. In this series, our goal is to set some of this right. We we don't like to acknowledge there's a problem until it's gotten pretty bad. In fact, even Apple and Samsung are beginning to acknowledge that maybe they're a part of the problem. With an update recently, they added a feature on our phones called Screen Time. And if you have screen time, it is a way for you to go in and set limits on how much you're using these applications. You can go in and track how much time you spend looking at it. You could go on your phone right now, go to settings and screen time, and a little purple bar will tell you, if you have an Apple device, how much time you spent on social media per day this week. If you look at it and you haven't before, the results will probably surprise you. And they have these limiting bars that are great to use, but they just kind of turn into an annoyance and get in the way. I, I, when this app first came out, I was very excited about it. And, uh, and I went on and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do a good job here. I'm going to start using this thing and cut it out of my life. And I went and logged on and I got on my screen time and, and I put a 20 minute limit on social media on my phone per day. And on that first day at 8 a.m., all of my social media apps turned opaque And said, you've gone over your screen time for this day. And so I went in and I disabled the feature. I said, this is a dumb feature anyways. (laughs) Who needs it? I need to go check on my Instagram account. We've got to acknowledge that something needs to happen. We've got to make some changes. In this series, I don't want to talk about how to spend less time looking at social media. What I want to talk about is how to spend more time building real relationships. Our goal is to set some of this right, just to learn how to be social again, how to have community and friendships, and for us to learn how to relate to one another. If you feel like you're in here this morning and you've got great community, great friends that this is something you're gifted at, good at, or have been blessed with, then that's wonderful. Let's learn how to get better. Let's learn how to get better at being friends, and then let's learn how to lead others down the path that we've chosen. Because the best part about a community, or I think the sign of a really well-functioning community is not that it's closed, but that rather it makes room for more people to enjoy the fruits. So let's learn how to help others enjoy that. But if you're in here this morning and you're one of these statistics, I want you to know that you're in the right place. That none of us are perfect here. And we are all learning and we're trying to get better and we're trying to figure it out. And this is a a church, a community where we are committed to gathering people around Jesus and around one another. And so we will continue to move forward on learning how to get better and better and better at being friends, at, at being a community, at being in relationship. So let's get started this morning by looking at the problem a little bit closer. First, I think one of the problems we're seeing is Profile picture friendships. The rise of profile picture friendships. You know, living in Asheville is awesome because we've got so many beautiful places that you can go and see. You could go see world class waterfalls at Triple Falls or Looking Glass Falls. You could go see a, a, a panoramic views up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. You could go and, and, and stand on top of Mount Mitchell and be at the highest point east of the Mississippi. And when you go to all of these places, you're gonna see one thing in common. Lots of people doing this, and doing this, and doing this, and doing this. And then when you look, I actually, I accidentally just opened my screen time, don't look at it. Don't look at it, oh no, I'm down 44% last week because I was sick sleeping the whole time. Um, Sorry, that was a distraction. I put it away. We see everybody taking these pictures and what happens is you walk by and, and somebody will say, hey, excuse me, can you take a picture of me and my friends? I always try to keep my eyes down on the ground instead of looking at them so that they won't ask me. And then I take the picture for them, and then as soon as I walk away, I see them grabbing another person because my picture was so bad. They're like, we've got to try this again. And then as soon as they take the picture that they like, then immediately you don't see them going, finally, that's over, and enjoying the view. No, you see them go down like this more and more, and they've got to do the editing, they got to crop out the friend that invited themselves, and they've got to get the filters on just right. they got to make sure it looks good, and then once it looks good enough, pow! we put it up on the profile, profile picture. We nailed it. We got it. You see, what's happening is we are all out there doing our best to show people our best moments, our most flattering angles, and letting them see the parts of us that we want to see. And it's not just happening on our profile pictures. You see, this is conditioning us to behave this way in real life as well. And when we look out at our friends and at the people that we're in relationship with, we can't help but wonder why our lives aren't as sparkly as theirs, aren't as adventurous as theirs, aren't as well put together as theirs. But what we don't realize is all that we are comparing ourselves to is the profile picture that they have filtered and that they have made sure is the right angle and that they have cropped to show us the very best version of themselves. But inside, we're struggling with the same things. We're going through the same things. We're dealing with the same insecurities. We're having the same bad moments, but we're doing it alone instead of sharing it like we were created to. On social media, we choose our our best moments for profile pictures, but real life is significantly dirtier. The world of social media And profile pictures has led us to have a lot of friends that only get to see our best parts. And it has hurt our ability to do life together. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, a man of many friends may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. To put it in modern terms, it's better to have one friend who really knows who you are than 50,000 followers who only see what you want them to. Second problem His face-to-face has become screen-to-screen. See, every single person on this earth was born with a relational need. God looks at His creation in Genesis. He looks at man and He observes, it is not good for man to be alone. And this isn't just about a romantic relationship. It carries over. It's not good to be alone. And that relational need that we have is only really satisfied... In Christ-centered friendships and relationships that operate like iron sharpening iron, one person sharpening the next. But over this last decade, we've gotten more used to filling our relational needs through screens. Probably started a long time before that, maybe in the late 1950s when it became normal for us to all have a television set in our homes. Now there's like this new trend where people, and you've all got a friend like this in your life, and you know it because the very first time you had a conversation with them, they told you all about how they don't have a TV in their house, right? The no TV friend. Guess what, no TV friend? We all don't like you, right? Just saying. The very first thing they say, oh, we don't have a TV. Yes, they don't have a TV, but they're also watching just as much Netflix as you, but instead of on a glorious 1080p 50 inch screen, it's on a silly little laptop in their bed that's way too warm so they keep shifting it around because they're too hot. Just get a TV, no TV people. We're tired of it. Now that I'm over that. (laughs) We're all just giving our lives to screens instead of one another. We think we don't have time for relationships, but it's because we have prioritized things like television, like computer games, spending time on there. We prioritize social media. We think that we're getting all that we need relationally through these. I I get so invested in TV shows. I really do. When I'm in, I am in. Uh, One of my favorite shows for a decade was How I Met Your Mother, and I loved it so much. It was kind of like Friends, if you've never seen it. It's a situational comedy of some people living in an unlikely apartment in New York. And, uh, and, I, and I watched this show for 10 years and it ended. It was a terrible ending, if you haven't seen it. And, and it ended. And after it was over, Rail and I, my wife who watched it with me, we sat around the next week when the show would normally be on and said, man, I really miss my friends. I just have, feel like I haven't been with Ted very much. Is he okay? Should I call him? Oh, I can't call him. He's a fictional character. See, we think that we get, we get so invested in our shows that we think they're people that we are in relationship with. Listen, you, you do not have a relationship with Jon Snow. He's not a real person. You're not involved in his trife, okay? I'm just telling you. We, 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 are, we are changing out face to face for screen to screen, and we're the worst for it. And Finally, the problem is we've got too much competition too much competition. The third problem we have in building relationships is there's too much competition for our time and attention. Uh, In our series before our anniversary, we talked a lot about our time, the way we prioritize it, the way we manage it. And so if you missed that series, I encourage you to go on our website, give it a listen or a watch. Um, But we have every free moment in our weeks packed in with work, sports for our kids, clubs we're involved in, events we're committed to, and TV shows we don't wanna miss. And so we look at our busy lives and wonder how we're supposed to build a friendship there. Where do we even fit more relationships when it feels like we're struggling to maintain the ones we have? I have people come and meet with me for a variety of different reasons. And a lot of times I feel that what they need is some freedom. And the way to find freedom is to get in relationship, to join a life group and meet the right people that are going to walk you to freedom. And so I'll encourage that and suggest that. And many of them will say, well, I haven't been in a life group. And I'll say, well, yes, I, that's why I'm telling you. I think you need freedom. I think you need to be in a life group. And say, well, I, I can't because I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't, I don't, I've don't. got too much that I need to do. I don't know. I, I've got so much uh, going on. It's hard for me to maintain my marriage and, you know, the relationships I already have. I don't know how I'm supposed to build new ones, and it's just the common theme over and over that we don't have time. See all of this and many other factors come together to create the problem we have now. Many of us have forgotten how to be social without media. We've forgotten the secret to lasting friendships and real relationships that matter and that build us up and make us better versions of ourselves relationships that help us to grow and find freedom that encourage us and mourn with us. In John fifteen twelve, Jesus gave one of his last commandments. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another the way that I've loved you. In fact, he would go on to tell the disciples, the way that people are gonna know you're mine, that you belong to me, is by how well you love one another. You see that's not just about loving your spouse, it's about loving people and how are we supposed to love people if if we don't ever get to really know them? We've got to get better at this because it's what we're called, created and made to do. So we're going to start to change. That's what this series is all about, it's four weeks and each week we're going to come in here and we're going to talk a little bit more, we're going to go a little bit deeper, we're going to peel another layer of the onion off. That's kind of a stinky example but you get it, right? And we're gonna to try to figure out how to get better at this again. I hope you'll come next week, I hope you'll come back, we're gonna talk about how to care for people. It's gonna be good. Today I wanna to just build a base. Let's just talk really simply, practically, about how to build relationships. How do you build a relationship? Some of us, we just don't even know where to start anymore. So let me give you a stepping off block. Number one is this. Rethink my time. This is basically the gist of our message two weeks ago. Uh, one of the biggest problems in our ability to cultivate relationships is that we don't have time to. And so it's time for us to redefine what is important, what gets our time, and to prioritize relationships in Hebrews, the writer is encouraging the audience to keep working hard and to live more and more like Jesus, and he offers this wisdom in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. A lot of times what pastors will use this passage for, what I've used this passage for, is to encourage people about the importance of going to church and weekly being engaged in church. And that's an application, but it's not the total application. Because what I see the writer saying in context is that if we're going to live like Jesus... And we're going to get to this standard that he's called us to, that is high and that is hard to achieve, to be doing good works, to be serving people and making a difference in our communities. If we're going to love people the way he called us, he told us to love each other the way he loved us and he gave his life for us. So if we're going to get to that standard, how do we keep growing? And he says, well, don't give up meeting together as some of us have been in the habit of doing continue to encourage one another and spend time together and that's how we get there. We've got to prioritize time together. Ephesians 5:15 through 17 says, "Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil." That's an expression That means like time is fleeting. Like you can't trust time because it's always going away. Like it's not a fixed commodity. Like time is against you. It's always diminishing. The days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This passage says, you've got to understand you only get so much time. So make sure you make the best use of it and use it the way God has called us to use our time. In other words... If we want to live the way Jesus has called us to live and become the people that he created us to be, then we need to make sure we're aware of our time and how we use it and that we are using it in a way that is in line with the way we have been created to live in relationship with people around one another. Be careful about how you manage your time and make sure your calendar aligns with how God has created and called us to live. So take some time this week, if you still haven't done it yet this year, and look through your calendars, how you organize your time. One of my pastors, Andy Wood, um, gave me a lot of his time to teach me how to be a pastor and a husband and kind of even a person at times. And uh, one of the things he would always tell me was take captive every second. Take captive every second. When I would ask him how to get better at something, he would ask to see my schedule. And he's kind of a maniac about it. He would start planning his day out by the minute at 5 a.m. And he would go until he would go to bed at night. I start at six because that's when I think I'm going to wake up. And then I go to about eight o'clock at night. And what I will do is write down in my paper notebook everything that I'm going to do hour by hour in order to make sure I'm making the best use of each one of those hours I've been given. Now, I don't do this perfectly, and sometimes I'll miss a a couple days, maybe even a week, But what I try to do if I've missed some time is at the other side of it, go back and fill in as much as I can remember of what I actually do. And every single time what I find was the weeks that I wasn't intentional with the time that I do have, I wasted giant blocks of it. Giant blocks. You see, we we feel so pressed for time. We feel like we don't have the space for the relationships that we know we need. But I am telling you it is there and if it is genuinely not... It's time to let some things go so we have room for the things we need to prioritize. And relationships are one of those things. We need it. We need to rethink our time. Here's number two this is the big one build trust with somebody. Build trust with somebody. There's a lot of great friendships in the Bible. It says that King David and his friend Jonathan were joined together at the soul. Isn't that good? Do you have a friend who you feel like you're joined together at the soul? If you don't, then that's my prayer for you, is that is that we would learn how to become friends with somebody and get so close that it could be said of us that we're joined together at the soul. My favorite friendship in the whole journey of Scripture is between Peter and Jesus. These guys were friends. There's no getting around it. They spent all this time together. They were hanging out and there were these 12 disciples. But in those 12 disciples, Jesus had this group of friends who saw him in his most vulnerable moments. These were the guys that Jesus literally took the mask off with. They got to see him in his glorified state before he entered it. They got to see him looking like the heavenly Jesus before he was resurrected. That's a very big deal. These guys got to see Jesus in his vulnerable moments when he was grieving over his cousin or when he was grieving over his friend Lazarus. They were there. They were right beside him. They were the ones that Jesus relied on the most, leaned on the most, Peter, John, and James. Peter, Jesus was there for these guys when they needed him the most as well. When Peter's mother-in-law was sick, Jesus went out of his way to a different town to heal her so that he could serve his friend's family well. These guys were friends. In the most emotional, intense, and private moments, they were there. When Jesus was scared in the garden, Before he was arrested, it was these three guys that he asked to come pray with him. There was a real bond between them. My favorite story about trust between them, about how much Peter trusted Jesus, is in Matthew chapter 14. Everybody's had a long day in this story. Jesus has been teaching to huge crowds and he sends the disciples on ahead of him in a boat across to the other side of the lake and he just wants to pray and rest for a minute while they're making their way over to the other side in this boat, they see somebody walking towards them. The story is in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a good distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. I love how normal Matthew just decided to write that sentence. Like, yeah, he just walked out to us. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid." Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. You've got to understand there were 12 guys in this boat. All of them had been with Jesus about the same amount of time, had seen all the same amount of miracles, had had witnessed the same things with him. Only one of them trusted Jesus enough to get out of the boat. That was his buddy. That was his guy. That was his friend. And that was Peter. Peter jumps out of the boat and he starts walking across the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why'd you doubt? I, I think a lot of times if you've read this passage before, we think like Jesus is chastising Peter like you have little faith. Why did you doubt? You almost did it. I don't think that's what it was like. I think Jesus was so proud of Peter in that moment. And he's smiling, and he's soft, and he reaches his hand down to Peter to grab, and he says, you have little faith, man. You almost had it. Come on, man. You did it. You were walking on water. I can't believe it. This is what trust looks like. And it's oftentimes in our relationships what it feels like. I love this story because it reminds me of Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump's one of my favorite movies. You know the scene where Lieutenant Dan is on the dock, and Forrest Gump sees him, and he's like, Lieutenant Dan, and he just jumps out of the boat because he loves Lieutenant Dan so much, that is essentially based on the friendship of Peter and Jesus. It's a loose translation. Peter just gets out of the boat and starts walking because he knows Jesus can get him there. If you read the Gospels, you're going to see there's many times where Peter's heart is in the right place, but he just misses the mark a little bit. It's hard to learn to trust new people because we know that we aren't perfect, And we're worried that they won't be either, that they're going to let us down, that they're not always going to show up. And maybe you've been hurt in a friendship or in a relationship before. I get it. But even Peter and Jesus didn't have a flawless friendship, but it was still built on trust. Some of us never go deep in relationships because we're worried it's not a good fit. That we're not the perfect match for friends. We're not sure we connect well enough. See, I think we've developed kind of a tender mentality on friends. If they don't seem attractive to us at first glance, we swipe left and we're done with them. On to the next person. But you can't live that way in real life and expect to build anything lasting. Peter and Jesus are a great example of this because taken on the surface, these guys really don't have very much in common. One is an impulsive fisherman who often talks before he thinks. The other one is the son of God descended from heaven to save us all. It's a big difference between these two guys. You can't find a bigger one. I'm just saying, you don't need to be perfect. You just need to be present. Building trust with somebody takes a lot of time and intentionality, and it takes vulnerability, and then it takes more time. It's lots of coffees, or breakfasts, or late night dinners, or whatever your thing is. Don't waste your life waiting for the perfect friend to drop into your lap. Make the decision today to become a better friend yourself. Often, we don't let anybody get close to us because we're worried they're going to hurt us. But Peter denied that he ever knew Jesus three different times on the same night that Jesus needed him at his side the most. If Jesus' friendships weren't perfect, yours won't be either. What we see, though, is that even though Peter deeply betrayed the trust of Jesus, Jesus restored the relationship. He worked with him. He, 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 he told him that he loved him and he put him in a position of leadership over the movement that he was starting. When trust is broken, it can be rebuilt. Learning to forgive and move forward is just as important in relationships as is, as is learning to build trust in the first place. I got one more thing to say about building trust because if you want a social life that's bigger than a seven-inch screen, you really need to lean into building trust. See, I think a lot of times we don't build trust with people because we're aware that we can't control them. We can't control what they do with our trust. We can't control how they respond to our vulnerability. See, for many of us, we struggle to build lasting relationships because we can't make people act, think, and do what we want them to do. And when things break down, we're quick to blame them for it. Here's the point I wanna make. There is a key to building trust in relationships. If you're taking notes, write this down. Where I have influence, I have concern. Where I have control, I will enact change. Where I have influence, I will have concern. But where I have control, I will enact change. Here's what I mean. When you are building a relationship with somebody else, you need to understand first off that you cannot control them. Even Jesus could not control his friends. Just look at the decisions Peter made. Jesus was betrayed by one of the 12 he chose. We don't have control over the actions people choose. But we can earn influence as we build trust. And we use that influence over our friends the same way that Jesus uses it for his friends and for us. To move people closer to freedom. But the choices they make on that journey are not our responsibility. That's theirs. See, where I have influence, I will have concern. I will care. I will be there. I will urge them on towards who I know they can be. But when they mess up, I'll just be there to pick them up. When they make mistakes, I won't take it personally. I won't, I won't call the whole thing off. I won't be mad because they didn't choose the choice I chose for them. Where I have influence, I will have concern. And where I have control, I will enact change. You do have control over somebody. Guess who? One person. They met you in the mirror this morning. There is only one person that you can control. And it's not your friends. It's you. You get to control you. And throughout your entire life, you will only control you. Only you. Spouses, you only control you. Parents, you only control you. So change what you can change in you and use your influence to help others, to move others towards freedom. That's all we can do. And if we can do it well over time, we will build trust in one another. And that's how we build relationships. One more thing as we close this morning. This is my cheat sheet. For how to make and keep good relationships. It's an easy one. This is practical. You can remember this. Number three, listen, engage, and check in. Listen, engage, and check in. Listen, engage, and check in. Um, I'm not naturally good relationally. I'll tell you a little bit about me. I, I am not a very good friend by nature. I don't listen to people like ever. I I just zone out, I glaze over when people start talking. I'm always just waiting for a pause in what they're saying so I can interject the funny thing that I thought of before they even started talking. I'm always just looking for a way to tell my story. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm so bad at it, I interrupt, I don't let them finish. This is who I am. I walk away thinking about whether or not my story was good, not thinking about what they just told me about them. That's it. And all of those tendencies have made me a pretty bad friend at times. In fact, as I look back over my life, it's made it hard for me to maintain good friendships and relationships. In fact, if I really think about the friends who have been real friends for me in the last 31 years, the people that have been close to me have been people who were good friends, who were really good friends, who, who pursued me who listened to me, who engaged with me, who checked in with me. It wasn't because of me we were close friends, it was because of them. I had a best friend who I was really close with in California where I lived before moving here and his name's Rich. And Rich is one of those guys that is a naturally good friend. When you're talking to him, when I talk to him, he's significantly taller than I am. And so whenever I talk to him, he leans down a little bit, which is honestly a little insulting. He leans down, he leans down a little bit and he locks his eyes on me like he's like studying me. And the whole time I'm talking, he's, he's in, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's paying it. He's drinking every word and he's not waiting to respond for a pause. He's listening to what I say. And then when I'm done talking, which is almost never, so he doesn't get a lot of words in in this friendship. He then responds based on what I said. He engages with it. He asks more questions. Poor guy. I've already just talked for 20 minutes. And then he asks more questions to get more out of me. And then I'm not thinking about it anymore three days later, but I get a text message and it's rich. Checking in on that thing that we talked about. And it's been five years almost since I moved away from California. And he's still the best friend I've ever had. We talk all the time. And when we talk, it's the same on the phone. There's thousands of miles between us, and he will listen to everything I say, engage. Next day I'll get a text checking in. Hey, bro. Hi, bro. Just He's British. Hey, bro. Just want to check in, make sure everything's okay on that thing we talked about. Want to let you know I'm on your team. I'm on your side. I'm with you. And that's like the best. I made him sound like Steve Irwin there, but <laughs> I love you, Rich, man, if you're watching. And I've learned a lot from him about how to be a friend. We need to listen more, and we need to engage more, and we need to check in. This is where it starts. If you want to build a friendship, here's your starting point. Here's point A. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is words to live by. If you're going to memorize three Bible verses in your life, let this be one of them. Be quick to listen. And slow to speak. And slow to get angry. Proverbs 18, 2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. The fool is the one that keeps talking and talking and talking and never tries to understand your side. And then in verse 13, it says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. That one hurt me a little bit. Proverbs 20, verse 5, just keeps going says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but someone of insight draws them out. See, people are deep waters. What we're feeling, we don't always know that we're feeling. That's why God gave us relationship. A, a good friend is somebody who is there to help you understand what you're going through, to help you understand what it is you're feeling to help you understand how you're processing it. A good friend draws it out of you. This is what Rich does for me. He knows when I'm going through something and I don't know how to express it and he will pull it out of me. Can we do that for one another, church? Can, can this be that church? Can this be the church where people know how to listen to one another and engage with one another and check in with one another in such a way that it really looks like we're loving one another well? Because that's what it'll turn into quick it'll just start out so simple you go to life group because you're gonna make time for life group you're gonna do it listen to me church i I just just need you to know it's not for us it's for you i need life group i'm in two of them i need it twice i need double and i'm not in a life group because i'm the pastor i know a lot of pastors who don't go to life groups i'm in a life group because i need life group i need people how many places in your life can you really take the mask off it's not work at work, you got to be grinding. you got to be hustling, right? you gotta, you got to look like it's okay. A lot of times, we don't know how to do it at home. We don't know how to do it with our spouse. Many, many times, it's not the guys at the, in the bowling league. If you're still in a bowling league like Fred Flintstone, you're just goofing. Whatever it is, maybe it is the bowling league. I don't know for you. But Life Group is a special place where you go and you take the mask off and you just get to show them who you are it's where you get to sit down in a room with some people and say hey I don't have a lot of places I can do this and so can I just can I bear a little bit of myself with you today can I tell you what I'm really going through because it's been eating me alive that's what life group is and you're going to go to life group and you're going to make it a priority and you're going to kick things off your schedule and you're going to go every single week that's what we're going to do this semester church and as we build relationships in life group we're going to listen when people talk not wait for our turn We're gonna listen and then we're gonna engage we're gonna ask questions we're gonna use insight we're gonna pull it out of the deep waters we're gonna figure out what they're going through we're gonna help them find freedom and then when you think about it the next day you're gonna you're gonna get their number at life group and when you think about it the next day you're gonna send them a text hey john mark i've been praying for you man i just want you to know thanks for sharing at life group last night and i'm with you and it's so simple you don't have to have the answers you don't have to have it together because they don't have it together and they're not expecting you to. They just need to know they're not in it alone. You, do, you, don't, you don't have to be the best swimmer in the pool if there's other people swimming with you, okay? You just need to know that you're not in it alone. That's what we're gonna do for one another. We're gonna listen. We're gonna engage. We're gonna check in. We're gonna build friends one intentional conversation at a time through countless thoughtful touches. You, you need a thank you note, friend. You need to be a thank you note. Do you have a thank you note, friend? The friend who just sends thank you notes for no good reason? You, 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 you said good morning to them and you get a thank you note. Hey, you said good morning to me on a Wednesday. Just wanted to thank you. Signed, Stephanie. This is, You need a thank you note, friend. You need somebody. You need to be a thank you note, friend. We need these kind of relationships. And this can be the place where they happen. This is our heartbeat. This is who we want to be as a church. So let's make a commitment together to learn how to get social without media. Let's get better at this again. Join us every week of this series as we go deeper and deeper and deeper. We're gonna talk about how to care for people. I wanna have a whole week to talk about how to get vulnerable. I think we need to be reminded what vulnerability really looks like and how to do it. We're so used to putting on pretenses. Let's be done with that. Let's be done being perfect. Let's not be okay for a little while so that we can get better. That's what this series is going to be like, and I hope you'll you'll join us for it. I think we'll all be better on the other side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for creating us to do life together. What a gift, Lord. What a gift you've given us in each other. So God, I just ask that you would help us to honor that gift to build that gift, God, to develop it, to grow it, to understand it more and more, Lord, to be better friends. God, for the relationally challenged like me, Lord, help us to learn how to value people more, to show value to people more. God, I just pray for every person in here tonight and this morning who is in a good friendship, that God, You would help them to make it better, to take it deeper, to deepen trust, to heal wounds. And for every lonely person in this room, God, I ask the blessing of a friend for every person in this room who is in one of those stats, God, that you would find freedom for them, that as they sign up and go to life groups this week, that God, you would just open up the doorway to a friendship that is going to transform them and change their lives. May your Holy Spirit push us into it, define it, walk us through it. Be in it with us, God. We trust you. We're so grateful for you, Lord. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen.